We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in here on this Monday morning here on KMBZ. Ryan Weber's in for John Grayson. A lot of us were asking last week following the shooting at the Chiefs Championship Rally, what can we do to help? And one of the immediate answers was give blood. And this is a slow time for donations anyway. And luckily, Kansas City turned out to help. And we have a special guest with us who is going to help us get further into uh, the response of doing blood donations. Uh, Chelsea Smith joins us from the Community Blood Center. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So the first question before we get to, um, (laughs) because this came up earlier on the air and we don't want to forget. First question we have is, it occurred to us that a lot of us don't know our blood type does that matter? You know, it, it does. Um, it's not something, I guess, that you need to have readily available at all times. But, um, you know, knowing your blood type, especially in an emergency situation, that's important for medical professionals to be able to know how best to help you if you are in a situ- situation where you need a blood transfusion. Um, so, yeah, when you do donate blood, you get a donor ID card back that actually has your blood type on it. So you can always have that in your wallet. Um, If anything were to happen, God forbid, then uh, first responders should be able to get that blood type off of your donor card. So if you haven't donated blood yet, that would be yet another reason to do that, just so you can get that information. Um, Okay, so take us through um, some of the events for you guys of last week. So, you know, we know that the rally happens. We know the shooting happens after the rally. We know that a lot of us are sitting here asking, what do we do? What, do you, what, what is the first thought of Community Blood Center then? Yeah, I mean, we were seeing an immediate response even as early as Wednesday afternoon, people coming from the parade to donate blood at our donor center here in Kansas City just down the road. Um, I think that, you know, when, when things like this happen, um, oftentimes one of the first things people think about is how can I help? What can I do to feel um, like I'm contributing to my community in this way? And, you know, when it comes to things like mass shootings, blood is going to be needed. And our donors knew that, our community members knew that without us having to tell them. So even before we were able to get messaging out to our community, we were having, we were seeing a response in our donor center locations across the metro area, people showing up to donate, knowing that we would need that. What, um, how many hospitals then did you end up sending that on to and how quickly did that happen yeah so one thing that a lot of people might not realize is that most most cities um, have emergency preparedness plans in place before any event of this size happens so part of an emergency preparedness plan includes the blood supply so even before the parade uh, started like as early as monday and tuesday we were sending extra blood products to area hospitals just in case that is, you know, protocol for large events like this. So um, our hospitals were already well stocked before this happened. After it happened, they needed even more. So we were able to send blood to KU Medical Center, St. Luke's Hospital and University Health. Um, we also were in very close communication with Children's Mercy. As you know, they were treating many patients as well. And fortunately, they had 
um, enough blood to get them through what they needed uh, last week and over the weekend. So we were able to supply all hospitals immediately. I would say probably within 20 minutes or so of us getting the phone call from each of these hospitals individually, blood was being sent to those labs. So Chelsea, it was a, a pretty immediate response. That's incredible. And you just taught me something. I had no idea, but it makes me feel a lot more confident that there is these emergency preparedness plans. I had no idea that there was such advanced planning just in case. How long oh, yeah. have some of those policies been in place? Well, I've been in the blood industry for a decade, and so I, I know that they've been in place at least that long. It's just it's protocol across the country for any event of this type. You know, we did the same thing for the draft. Uh, the NFL draft last year. We've done the same thing for parades in the past. Anything that might um, prevent, I guess, emergency vehicles or even, you know, our blood center staff from being able to deliver a stat order, such as road closures, like what we saw with the parade, anything like that requires some, you know, emergency preparedness and pre-planning before the event even happens, because it's always better to be safe than sorry. And this is you know, unfortunately, a perfect example of why these plans are in place. So, it's funny. I think we're both sitting here really impressed by that. Of course, you've known to do that all along, but I think the general public yeah. doesn't realize that even in advance of a big event like that, you're thinking about mm-hmm. what might happen. No Absolutely. Idea. So, yeah. So what our hospitals already had there on the shelf is is what was used to treat the initial wave of patients that um, that were sent there. And so we were able to send more you know, as our hospitals let us know what they needed, we sent it. Um, I can tell you that the majority of what we sent was type O red cells, because um, in an emergency setting, you don't doctors don't always have time to blood type somebody. So if they don't know, like we were discussing, if they don't know someone's blood type, it's likely that you're going to get an O negative unit. So most of what we sent was O red cells. Hmm. For those who have never donated blood, and I'll admit I'm a little squeamish about needles. And the first time I donate at Community Blood Center on Main Street, it's closest to my house. I was a little like, I'm going to do this because it's a good thing to do, but I don't like needles. And I hope they're not going <laughs> to laugh at me because I'm going to be a little, you know, a little squeamish about this. Uh, and it was awesome. And the Nutter Butters at the end are the best part. Um, but take us through the process for those who have never done it. Yeah, I can I can tell you again, I've worked here for a long, long time. And it, I don't like needles either. Okay, our staff are not going to make fun of you if you come in and you're a little squeamish. Um, we're going to do our best to make you feel comfortable. Uh, one thing to help you know, your listeners rest assured is that our staff do this day in and day out. They are so good, so well trained. Um, you're barely going to even feel the needle prick. So don't uh, don't let that deter you. I would say. Um, and then yeah, additionally. It takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get through the full process of donating blood. Um, So that's, you know, you get registered when you first come in, you do a quick history um, questionnaire, about 45 questions about any medicines you're taking, recent travel, things like that. Um, And then you're donating blood and having those snacks, having those nutter butters, like you you mentioned. Hey, Chelsea, I also noticed that a lot of employers utilize your services to engage their workforce in some of these drives too. How does an employer find more information about leveraging those services? Yeah, so uh, blood drives are a huge part of of our uh, blood collection operation here locally. Um, Prior to the pandemic, we collected about 70% of our blood supply from blood drives, and that includes a lot of workplaces here in the city, in the metro area. Um, Since the pandemic, especially because of uh, the work from home, 
um, wave that, that we're experiencing now, a lot of workplaces aren't holding their blood drives like they used to. So if you are a member of a workforce that doesn't hold a blood drive, please go online to savealifenow.org. You can find information about hosting a blood drive, um, even hosting a donor center event in which maybe your employees who do work from home all come in on the same day to donate. Um, yeah, it's a really great way to build employee morale and and also uh, help your community at the same time. We're talking to Chelsea Smith of the Community Blood Center. Chelsea, who can't donate? Yeah, so actually most people can donate blood. I don't I don't think people realize it's about 60% of our population is eligible to donate blood that uh, the other part of our population that isn't. So you could be on a medication such as a blood thinner that might prevent you from donating. If you're currently on antibiotics for, you know, a cold or something, you, you can't donate right now. Um, also, there, there are certain people who might be undergoing treatment for cancer or have um, other chronic illnesses that might prevent them from donating. But in general, most people are eligible to donate, and a lot of people don't know that. So they'll kind of self-defer and assume, oh, you don't need my blood, and that's just not true. So there's a lot of information also on our website about blood donor eligibility. So again, that's savealifenow.org. There's a whole page with some more frequently asked questions on there. And there's a number to our um, medical team. You can call that hotline and ask ask them any questions you have. They can let you know whether or not you'd be eligible to donate. Yeah, I have been, um, I was telling Ryan this off the air, that I've done a couple of trips. It's, it's always an issue with me what countries I've been to every time I come mm-hmm. in because there are certain, uh, malaria is big in South Africa and I was there and that's a problem. And so always yeah. keep track of that kind of stuff. Yeah, always keep track of that, yeah. What should people know then? What else should people know about the process or about donating? And um, I know you're not in a blood emergency now. Are there slower times of year? Yeah, absolutely. So actually right now, the winter months are usually pretty challenging for us to collect. Donations are typically down. and, And what we saw in January, we were just in a blood emergency, which means that we weren't able to fully supply our hospitals with the orders that they need day to day to operate. Um, If this event, if this tragedy had occurred just a couple weeks ago, this would be a much different story right now. Fortunately, our community responded. I'm sorry. Fortunately, our community responded to that blood emergency, and we were able to have a healthy and stable supply, blood supply going into last week. Right now, we still have a healthy and stable blood supply because of the donor response that we've seen. But again, like you mentioned, there are certain times of year seasonal blood shortages happen where it's harder for us to collect. People are out of town. They might be on a summer vacation. Right now, a lot of people are sick. Uh, So we we face these challenges year to year, but what helps us get through that is our blood donors, you know, making it a regular habit, a routine to come in and donate, you know, once per season, four times a year is what we typically recommend. Again, the website is savealifenow.org. Chelsea Smith, we appreciate the information and I'm proud of the city. For turning out like it did. No kidding. Yeah, we are as well. Definitely. It's been uh, been a privilege to see the, the response on our end since what happened last Wednesday. Definitely. Keep in touch with us. Let us know how it's going. We appreciate the time. Yeah, will do. Thanks for having me. Thanks a bunch. Uh, if you have comments, 913-586-7798. If you have benefited from blood donations and want to stress to us how important it is, we would love to take your calls. 913-586-7798. Back with your calls next here on KMBZ.
Phone number to get in, 913-586-7798. Ryan Weber sitting in for John Grayson on vacation this week. Uh, thanks again to Chelsea Smith, the Community Blood Center. Savealifenow.org is the website to donate blood. Again, we, we continue to be impressed, and I don't know why I'm shocked by this, because their job is to be in the emergency business, but that in advance of major gatherings of people like the NFL draft, they think ahead and send blood, more blood, off to the emergency rooms in case something happens so they already have the extra blood when there is an emergency instead of having to ask for it. It's just a fascinating process that we're learning more about today. I had no idea, but it makes me really happy to know that there's that level of preparedness. Yeah. There's only so many things in this world I feel like we can be proactive about. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't like that we have to be proactive about things like that. Yeah. That's a solvable, maybe a solvable problem. I don't know. My, my confidence that goes down as more of these things keep happening, but we should, I mean, we, it is fragile. Yeah. <laughs> Life and, and taking care of that many people at once. I mean, our system is fragile and it relies on all of us. And I, I'm motivated now. I am going to donate blood this week. I was looking online, but my web connection won't let me make an appointment. So it doesn't, it doesn't like the way I'm connecting to the internet. So I'll get to it coming up a little bit later. If you have a story, if you want to further validate the reason, I think we already know, but if you want to further back up that reason why it's good to donate blood, we would love to hear from you. I think one of your buddies has been listening today. I think this is Jim in Blue Springs. It, it hits home. Yeah. Jimmy, thanks for listening and calling in. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. I, uh, I heard you guys topics today. I always try to tune in and check in on Ryan. Uh, <laughs> And Ryan on the days that he's in, and I'm a daily listener, but uh, Ryan, you know, I got to make sure that I'm holding you accountable. We appreciate it. (laughs) So we understand you've got quite the story to tell. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I never, like most people, thought much about donating blood, and I had a tremendous fear of needles as well. Uh, Maybe one of the reasons why I didn't put much mind to it. Until late 2020, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, and... uh, you know, long story short is through the process, uh, I required a bone marrow transplant and, uh, through that process of chemo and radiation, uh, I was kept literally kept alive for months, uh, with blood products, both whole blood and with uh, platelets, uh, you know, because the process just completely destroys your marrow, which makes your blood. And I had not given any thought to it until I was the guy laying in a hospital bed, taking bags of blood and plasma and platelets, you know, in some cases, multiple units a day to make sure that I live to get to the point where I could get a transplant and, uh, you know, bone marrow and then start making blood on my own again. So it was, you know, something that uh, never gave any mind to. And but I was certainly uh, one of those folks that's happy that it was available to me when I was in dire need uh, to, to try to stick around. Jamie, I remember talking to you during that process, and, and I didn't know that cancer patients were, were part of that category. I assume that when blood's needed, it's because someone's been critically injured, and they're, they're bleeding, and there's been some sort of that tragedy. But that was eye-opening to me, just the needs that some cancer patients have for blood, too. I, I had no idea until you, know, you and I were talking during your experience, which I'm so dang happy that you're still here to talk about it, but I really am. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I am too, brother. And uh, the I was as ignorant as most people, I suppose, or a lot of people are, uh, but because of the way chemo works on your body, it is incredibly difficult uh, or hard on your blood. And, you know, I had a little bit more of a situation because I actually had blood cancer. And so my marrow that created my blood was what was rotten effectively. Um, And so they had to take me down to baseline to zero, burn my marrow out. 
but even normal you know, like tumor type of cancers, um, and most things, that chemo and that radiation is incredibly hard on your blood, and most cancer patients with any type of prolonged treatment you know, require blood products at some point. How are you doing now? Uh, I'm about to turn three years old, so my new birthday is March 19th. Uh, I received a donation of bone marrow from my then 11-year-old daughter. So oh, wow. uh, they tell you that when you're a bone marrow transplant that you get a second birthday. And so mine's March 19th, three years in remission. Uh, I've been incredibly fortunate. Uh, not a lot of folks that go down the road that I went down are uh, are as fortunate as, my, as I happen to be. Um, it just is the way that I had a fantastic donor that was a 96% match for me. Also happened to be my daughter, so she that's even better if it's a familial match. Uh, but it uh, there's countless uh, anonymous folks whose blood was put into me to get me to that point. Uh, and so it just is something. I'm, and I'll tell you, frankly, for all those folks that were scared like I was for needles, it is. I mean, I've been literally stuck thousands of times now in the last three years, and it it's such a non-event um takes a little bit of time and it's on your head but it's certainly the professionals at the blood center and at the hospitals that do that work are really good at it and they make they take a lot of pride in being able to do it as painlessly and easy as as they can and they're trying their best and they nine times out of ten uh are make it incredibly comfortable for you well we are uh, happy birthday we are really happy that you're doing so well. And thanks for sharing your story with us. And thanks for checking in on Ryan and for listening. Thanks, Jimmy. I can't wait yeah, to celebrate absolutely. on the 19th, buddy. Next month. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate thank you. it. You too. Uh, all right, let's get Crystal on the line in Kansas City. Hey, Crystal. Hi. Um, well, my story is almost the exact same as the previous caller. I had AML as well. Um, I was diagnosed May of 2020. I have had over 41 units of blood between May of 2020 and um, March of 2021. I needed, I think, I kept track, 15 units of platelets. Um, so I was also somebody scared of needles never donated blood. I did not even know my blood type until I was told to go to the ER with a critical um, hemoglobin level of 5.1. That was peak time of COVID, so that was really scary. Um, And I too had a bone marrow transplant um, November 30th of 2020, so I am already three. my donor um, is from Germany. That's all I know. Wow. Um, I have not had a, he's not wanted to connect, but so along with blood being important, also joining um, the bone marrow registry is super easy and super important. Um, you can save a life while you're still alive and it's super easy Um but yeah, so our stories are they, they definitely are very similar. Thanks for talking yeah. about the the registry too, because I know when Jimmy was sick, a lot of us did the same thing. We registered and made sure we can participate in that way too. Yeah, I I volunteer. Um, it used to be called Be the Match, but now it's National 
um, National Marrow Donor um, Registry Program. Okay. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> we'll find it. a new name. But, yeah, so that's super important as well. But Well, thanks but a lot anyways, for... How are you yeah. doing now, real quick? Um, I'm doing okay. I've got a lot of side effects. Um, I've had to get joints replaced. I deal with um, a lot of um, chemo brain, brain fog, um, fatigue. I have heart damage from chemo, so I've already, already had one um, heart surgery. I will need open heart in the near future. Um, but other than that, I'm alive. <laughs> definitely. Well, but, we're definitely happy. Crystal, thanks a lot for the call and for sharing thanks. your story. We Thank appreciate you. it. Uh, if you still want to get in, 913-586-7798. Still to come, we will get to this Missouri bill. Uh, if you have an expired temp tag, legislators say you shouldn't be able to get your car repaired. Get to that and more coming up here on KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome in here. 913-586-7798. Rest in peace, Toby Keith. Mm, um, yeah. Okay. So we go to the Missouri House of Representatives. For those who want to look up the text of this bill, it took us a little while to get to it. This is House Bill 1507. Stories out of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We have talked a ton about the temporary tags that are on everybody's vehicle. And it's a little game to see how expired those temp tags are. Is it just 30 days expired? Is it three years expired? What is it? And so you have a House member now who is just sick of it. Um, her name is, uh, Gretchen Bangert. Is it Florissant? Is how we pronounce that? Florissant. Florissant. Yep. We always do that. I'm always bad. It's the other side of the state. Yeah. So, um, so she said in our area, they don't even bother to get temporary tags. They just drive around with no license plates. What she is suggesting, and I'm going to read you the text of the bill a little bit because I think it matters, is that if you have an expired temporary tag, you cannot get your car repaired. And Ryan brought up an interesting point during the break that we'll get to here. But here's here's the text of the bill. This bill requires that prior to repairing or performing maintenance on a motor vehicle, the person or business performing the repairs or maintenance must verify that the vehicle's registration is current. If the motor vehicle registration is not current, the repairs or maintenance work cannot be performed. Failure to verify... I think where you went is going to be an interesting place here in a second. Failure to verify that the motor vehicle registration is current can result in a fine of up to $300 per violation. The way I read that is that that fine and that violation goes on the repair shop that didn't check. It is not a business's responsibility to hold people accountable to the law. I am sorry. That's where I stand on this issue. It is completely irresponsible to pass that accountability to a for-profit business. It is the police and their job to hold drivers accountable for driving on expired tax. And clearly, 
There's been a lack of that. All you have to do is drive around our city and you will see on a daily basis extremely expired tags. And the reason why they're driving is because they know there's a small, small chance they'll ever be pulled over for it. I have to ask this question. Um, And if you work for a repair shop, give me a call, 913-586-7798. Is there any other check like that that a repair shop has to do before they do work on your car? Do they have to run the plate to see if it's stolen? Do they have to? Is there any other check like that the repair shop has to do? Not to my knowledge. Or, and if not, has to do that as a good manner of practice would do anyway. Here's why I ask, because the St. Louis Post-Dispatch talked to Kevin Klespiel, who used to be a repairman in, in Florissant. He is one of the mechanics that spoke with Bangard about this bill, and he said, I get uncomfortable working on these cars. I feel like I'm contributing to a crime. If this car goes out and kills someone because I put a battery in it, I'm an accomplice. Mm. It sounds like some mechanics, it's weird to me that they like that, that they would be forced to. a very interesting take <laughs> because, yeah, well, you're accountable if you put a bad battery in a car and it gets direct. Maybe there's some accountability there. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Not a lawyer. Maybe. That's but, a stretch, but I my, think. But my problem is that the state is now requiring you to hold accountable to the law a driver not registering, properly registering their vehicle within the time they're supposed to do so. That is the state's job to hold drivers accountable, not businesses. My opinion, you're welcome to disagree. And I'm sure people will. 913-586-7798. How do you feel about this? Um, and I want to back off this a second out of principle. Bef- um, and I probably should have started with this. But out of principle... What do we think about the idea of saying, if your car is not registered properly, you can't get your vehicle repaired, regardless of who's going to check that? Who who knows? Take the responsibility of checking that out of it. Now, I did see in one version of the bill that if your vehicle is being serviced to be properly registered for safety inspections and whatnot, right. that does not qualify. That right. is different. So in order to pass a state safety inspection, you, sh- you should get your car serviced and they are legally allowed to in that scenario. That's the only one that I saw an exception on, though. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody just said, and I, I like these examples. Somebody just said, so based on that liquor, that that logic, why do liquor stores check ID? You're right. That's a, that's a great analogy. Liquor stores have to check your ID to make sure you're not underage okay. or they get in trouble for it. But that is a regulated industry that has its own sets of laws that you have to apply to for a license in order to sell liquor. You have agreed that you will check IDs and you will be accountable to that. You have to, that's a register. That's a, that's a regulated business. You have to get a license to operate that business. Don't you need a business license to operate a repair shop? Sure. Couldn't we put that as a term of a business license? Seems like that's the path they're trying to go down. Uh, you're right to that texter. That's a fantastic analogy. Well, kind of. I like it. It's, it's an analogy. I wouldn't necessarily, it's fantastic because you, you've agreed to that as being a liquor store owner operator and getting that liquor license, you've agreed to the regulations of that industry. Yeah, and I see where you're going. It's because the reason they have to check it is because we have a law that says you can't buy liquor unless you're a certain age. They have to check ID in order to be able to meet that law. Right. We're just behind. This is this is car registrations catching up to that. Sort so of. the states regulated that process of, of liquor and every other regulated industry, tobacco, all those things. Why would the state want to be regulating automotive service repair. Okay, so let's follow the money for a second because in the end, everything in the universe comes back to money. 
were... state is losing out on money by temp tags and regular registration. They're not just looking at temp tags. They're looking at just your regular license plates. The state is losing money in those not being updated. And so the state is looking for a way to recover that money and to try to get you to update those tags. You're right. I'm a little uncomfortable. The police with, do that. With putting a $300 <laughs> violate. You're right. You're right. I'm a little uncomfortable with. Yeah, you're absolutely so right. What's the Put problem? more it, of it on police is, instead of yeah, on. Is the problem on that shops. these people are, are keeping their cars in a working operating way so they can keep their temporary tag going? Or is the problem that there's no accountability to driving with a temporary tag and not ever registering your vehicle and paying taxes. The money is registration and taxes, not in fines to service centers. It's just not. So interesting. So interesting. Okay. Uh, we're getting calls. 913-586-7798. Let's go to Brian and Shawnee first. Hey, Brian, how's it going? Uh, uh, real good. Uh, good topic. Thank you. The, uh, it actually, in the end, it all comes down to entropy. I need to know but, what that word means. Uh, it's a physics thing. It's why we expire. It's the loss of heat is where that gets. But anyway, what is the law for a license plate on the car? And if you have a temporary tag, you've got a state-issued tag on there. I knew a guy that drove with one for two years. He's from St. Louis. He said, I'd never get pulled over. He wasn't worried about it. So that might be the problem I'm talking about. Yeah. But, you know, the... uh, the state's trying to tax you for just a piece of property you buy. They they don't tax your bicycle that you can ride on the street. Um, some people have a problem with that. They're trying to put a. But you don't need a license money. to ride a bicycle. It, no, but uh, it's the same type of property. It's a car. It's it's not real property. It's just property. It's just something you buy these to travel about the, the roads with. So some people might have a problem with the fact that they're, you know, you say they're losing money. Well, they're actually trying to gain money by uh, figuring out a way they can get money out of you. And well, they're just trying to recover the money they're not getting. Or that they're trying to, that they're trying to take from you. Well, but, the, but, but let's remember, if you don't update your license, you are breaking the law. I mean, if, if you're driving around with temp tags that are expired or you're driving around with plates that are expired, you are breaking the law. And right. so... And, and, and yes, that is a fee that the state charges you to have a license plate. Every state has that, though. And so it makes sense to me that they're trying to accomplish two things. They want your plates to be updated, and they want their money for what you were supposed to pay. Yeah, I don't think going about the, uh, the repair shop's the way to do it. I mean, God, I'd hate to be in that business and have to, you know, ask my customer, I can't repair your car because you're illegal, and then you got to enemy from a customer yeah you've lost that customer then i mean that's what i'm saying like they're passing accountability to non-police and and businesses to me that is but again liquor stores do it liquor stores check ids and tell regulated but this could be regulated too but this could be regulated too i can buy a car i can buy a car wherever i want no you can't sure i can't i don't have to be 21 either I'm just saying this could be just because this is not a regulated industry like that doesn't mean it couldn't be. But you're saying I don't want to be the repairman that has to tell a person I can't repair your car. I don't want to be the liquor store worker that tells the 18 year old I can't sell you liquor, but they do it. Well, yeah, because they've agreed to that. But that's what I'm saying. This would bring that to that point where they have where you agree to that. Or this you're brings raising a-, a license plate to the level of alcohol. Well, I think you're dry. I think you're connecting apples and oranges there, but you are alcohol, tobacco, and license plates. 
I, I, I think well, you need to compare alcohol to I, things that are legal, I think is what we're talking about. Breaking laws is what we are talking about. Let's not forget again, and thanks a lot for the call, Brian, that in not having your, your license updated, you are breaking the law. And whose job is it to hold you accountable to that? You, but also police. Yeah. But police do stings in liquor stores, too. I mean, police will send in volunteers that are underage and get have them try to buy liquor. So they do enforce it on their own also. Yeah. But that's, again, what you've agreed to as a license holder of a liquor, liquor license to be able to sell and distribute and all those things. That's a, It's not a reasonable requirement to ask a service center or a mechanic or any of the great automotive technicians, which we need a lot more of them out there to, to be in that role because it's so they're in a customer service business. They're not in an accountability in a regulated industry with age requirements and other things like that. But it's not that I don't feel like it would be that complicated. You give them a website and they put in the license plate. And if it shows up with this big red expired screen, you tell them no. And then you call the police is what I would do then and tell the police these tags just I don't feel like it's that complicated of a process. I think you're putting a business owner in a very difficult spot to choose between customer service and accountability to my customer. Um, But is that a customer that you want? I mean, if they're driving around with expired tags and think it's their job to make that decision, I'm okay with making it their job. Because no, we, regulate, we regulate I'm, other I'm businesses the other in the same way. That's okay. That's interesting. We got to get to a break. Everybody hang on the line. We'll get to your calls next on KMBZ. Democrat out of the St. Louis area has had it with the expired tags, the temp tags, and just your regular plates being expired. And so she is proposing a bill in the House that says that it, if it passes, and quite frankly, I sincerely doubt that it will. It's a Democrat proposing a bill in a state run by Republicans. I don't think this is going anywhere. But... Uh, it would have repair, um, have mechanics and repair shops. It would put the responsibility on them. When a car comes in to be repaired, before you can start the repair work, you've got to run the tag and see if it's expired. And if it is, you can't do the repair. And if you do, or if you don't run it, you are fined as the mechanic, as the repair shop. We'll try to get through as many calls as we can here. Um, let's see. Who's been on hold first? Let's go to Johnny first up in Grandview. Thanks for holding on. Hey, I want to start off by saying it, it kind of troubles me how some people are not concerned with the overreach of our government on certain subjects. But here's two reasons why I don't think this would pass. I don't think it would go. It'd fly over very well. Because, one, if I'm wanting to see if the car can even be fixed, I don't want to go tag it and pay all that money and then find it. I can't, it can't even be fixed. A lot of people take vehicles there to see what's wrong with it and what's the price going to be to get it running. Second is, if I'm having it fixed to sell it, I don't want to tag it either because I just want it fixed so I can sell it. So, Well, that's an interesting okay. point right. because Thanks, Jay. what you just described, Johnny, would be a pre-purchase inspection, mm-hmm. which if you're going to buy a used vehicle, even if it's got some miles or, or a lot of miles on it, that's not a bad idea. Spend a little money, and the service center tells you how much you may need to spend in the future. So at least you got some idea before you actually purchase it. Yes. But even if you're, I had that thought too, like let's say I'm rebuilding a car and put it in my garage and it certainly would not be registered. I would not have paid taxes on that car, even if it's a project or if it's a rebuild or something like that. But in order to drive it legally, even to go to a service center, I would need to get some sort of temporary tag or actually title, license, and register the vehicle. So it's just, to me, it's still very complicated how this would ever be 
how, how a service center or an individual technician would ever be held accountable for this because it's not their job. 913-586-7798. Let's go to Jim next up in Gladstone. Hey, Jim. Hey, how you doing today? Awesome. Thanks for the call. I spoke to a, a representative from the state and proposed that on the temp tags, give them a six-month free pass if they get it corrected. After that six months, for every month pass that they don't do it, it's a $100 fine. I talked to a Kansas City police officer and explained that there's a lot of temp tags going around that have expired, and he said we don't have the manpower to correct it. But in lieu of losing the money, the city raised property taxes. Um, I, I tell you, that's going to be a sensitive subject it here. doesn't go to the city either. Yeah. All of that revenue goes to the state. That does, in some way, shape, or form, get funneled down through the county and then eventually to the city. But, yeah, that, all that revenue goes to the good old state of Missouri or Kansas, wherever you're at. Well, why couldn't they give them that six-month free pass to get it corrected and then a $100 fine every month after they go past that? You know, dude. that's a good question because I will say in this, unfortunately, I am guilty of, and I have been caught driving on an uh, expired tag and totally didn't realize it, to be honest with you. A lot of confessions today. Have there been? There could be more. Yeah. It's Monday. Um, but it was in Kansas, and I was pulled over by a state trooper, and I had to drive to Leavenworth and take care of that at the state court situation and it was it was quite a burden and i've made sure not to make that mistake again but it is a very costly mistake because the fines the penalties and that's not only for the registration but also for the property taxes it was extremely expensive to rectify that and that is why people are not registering their vehicles is because they and this again affects let's be honest who this affects the most this is the poorest folks in our society who can barely afford to drive a car anyways yeah and we need one to get around in order to have to go jobs and and all those things so that is the majority of who we would be penalizing. Let's be yeah. very honest about that. Thanks a lot for the call, Jim. I appreciate it. And uh, one more here before we go to the break. Mark is next up in North KC. Hey, Mark. Hey, how you doing? We're awesome. Thanks. Hey, all right. So I'm from North New Jersey, and they give you like a 60-day tag. And if you caught driving your car after that 60 days, they will impound your car until you get it registered. Whoa. <laughs> Boy. Okay. We're not messing around. Insurance, they will impound your car, and you won't get it back until you get it registered. Wow. Interesting. You know, people don't go. What do you think about that? That's uh, North New Jersey. That's a very expensive venture there, especially, I imagine, New Jersey. It's pretty expensive to get it out. Well, we don't have sale tax and property tax. You know, you don't have to, you know, you get your car, you just tag it up. It's like $200, and that's it. Wow. I think Missouri downfall is a property tax and sale tax every year. We don't have that. Mm. Wow. Okay. Thanks a lot for the insight, Mark. I appreciate it. Impound the car. Don't stop at not getting the repair. We just take the car Ooh, from you. Wow. That would get him fired up, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody for getting here. We're going to move on. Coming up, Ryan Weber's in for John Grayson. Coming up in the next hour, a couple of different questions being asked about the late, uh, lack of a late night scene in Kansas City. We'll talk about that coming up here in KMBZ. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.